0: Hi, I'm Kathy Rushing, host of the podcast, Committed the Entrepreneur Marriage. If your middle name is Restless, and you identify with words like innovator, dreamer, change maker, creative, independent, or you are married to an entrepreneur, or heaven help you, you're both entrepreneurs, this podcast is for you. The entrepreneurial journey can be a little wild at times, like uncharted territory, Join me as I talk with others who are at various stages of the entrepreneur process. We'll explore the wisdom and insights they have gained while navigating the ups and downs of the entrepreneur journey. You'll discover that there are many couples who have found ways to thrive in both their marriage and business. My guests today are Shannon and Brian Miles. They are the co-founders of Belay Solutions, which provides virtual support services for business owners. They were recently listed in the Inc. 5000 for the sixth year in a row. Way to go, guys. As if that achievement isn't enough, they have managed to create a thriving marriage while running Belay together. Their company has evolved since they began 10 years ago, but their focus has always been to have a great marriage, a priority they place ahead of a great business. These are my people. In the fall of 2019, they opened Nofo Brew Company and Distillery in Cumming, Georgia. And in the year that shall not be named or repeated, God willing, They launched Own Not Run, a consultancy for people in various stages of the entrepreneur journey. They are rich with wisdom for entrepreneur marriages. So let's get right into it. Hi, Brian and Shannon Miles, I want to welcome you to the podcast, Committed the Entrepreneur Marriage. How are you guys doing this afternoon? So good. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, you
1: for the opportunity.
0: I am thrilled to have you as my guests. So we're going to jump right in with a couple of questions I've been using recently that I think have been kind of fun and a great way to get to know you a little bit. If your marriage was a team sport, what would it be? (laughs) (laughs) I love this question.
2: I don't know if it's a sport so much, but I... Kind of got the image of like whitewater rafting. Oh, it's something that we actually enjoy doing. But also, if you don't paddle, like you don't put your paddle in the water when you're going over the rapids, you're going to fall out of the boat. And our marriage definitely takes both of us like digging in and doing work <laughs> all the time. So that's the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. Uh,
1: <clears throat> I think for me, I think of doubles ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But it no, because you you, you have to alternate shots,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and you have to work together to beat your opponent. And uh, it's just it's a good tandem sport, I think. And and I'm good at ping pong.
0: You are really good. You can carry both of us, actually. (laughs) I love that. I love that. What is a book or a person that has affirmed your perspective in life, marriage or business? The book,
2: I think that has impacted our marriage and, and I guess affirmed it after we implemented the principles of it is three big questions for a frantic family by Pat and Tony. Mm. Um, It's basically, it distills down business principles so that you can apply them to your family with the premise of if you ran your family with such intention as you do your business, your families might be in a better place.
0: Oh.
2: Uh, so yeah, that's been really tangible for the Miles family.
1: Yeah, I would echo that too. That's been a really powerful book for our family.
2: Yeah.
0: I have read a lot of his work, but I'm not familiar with that one. And I think it did it come out like in the last 10 years?
1: Yeah, I think so. He, mm-hmm. It's funny because it's, it's one of those books, you know, he's such a prolific business writer that he did this book more or less for himself and his family too. At least that's what he said to us. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's come out last 10 years. It's got a yellow cover. It's, yeah. it's a really great read.
2: It's definitely not one of his most popular books, but it is, it is very similar to his popular books in the sense it's a fable. So it's, his books are easy to read you know, yeah. put the cookies on the low shelf for you. But if you're familiar with his business work, this, this book is going to feel very comfortable to you, but also a little challenging too to apply this to your family.
0: Oh, I love that so much. And what are three words that you would use to describe the other?
1: For me, I would say Shannon is very intelligent, incredibly caring, and very... It's like, it's, it's direct. Ooh. She likes, that's concise. That's the word I was actually trying.
0: Concise? To, okay.
1: She likes to kind of hit the essence of things and not beat around the bush. And I, I do, the older I get, the more I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And of course, right? you've got other adjectives that are like beautiful and things wow. like that, but I'll stop there.
0: Just... <laughs> <laughs> beautiful is always good, right, Shannon? Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you are very
2: tenacious. Mm -hmm. adventurous and intense in a good way like when brian puts his mind to something it happens and it's been a very good thing for our family
0: (laughs) (laughs) and And business right yep Awesome. Okay. Tell me a little bit about what the rhythm of your family looks like currently, rhythm of family and work.
2: Yeah, I mean, Brian and I have been married for 23 years.
0: Congratulations. Thank
2: you. We have definitely gone through different rhythms throughout the course of those decades together. But currently, we have a almost 15-year-old daughter who's in high school. And a 12-year-old son who just started middle school. And so our, we just started a new rhythm, you know, with them going back to school face-to-face. So you want to share with yeah. them, like, every day?
1: Yeah, I just, I mean, in the mornings we get up. We have time with them briefly before they head out the door for school. And then, you know, Shannon, I think, does a really great job to be just kind of around and available and I try and do the same, just kind of hearing them. I even was commenting today. I take our daughter to school some days, and it's like a coaching session in the car with her, which is really cool, oh, right. you know, because <laughs> I have her undivided attention for a few minutes. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, we go through our day. We work together, obviously, and we have many different things we do throughout the day. And then they come back in the afternoon after school, and they've got various activities or homework and. And then we like to, we do our very best to have family at a table together, no tech, and just engage as a family as best we can. That We don't always get it right or perfect. And then generally the evening wraps up with a show we like to watch together or they're hanging out doing homework or something like that. It's, you know, it's, we're pretty normal in that exactly. sense of just like every family. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus and the pandemic made it a lot more goofy. For yeah, us, but, uh, we're certainly, I think, in a, I think we have a good rhythm with our family yeah. at four. We're in a good place right now.
0: Yeah. Are you guys working from home currently or do you go into Belay?
2: You know, it's funny. Belay doesn't have an office
0: at all. Okay. we never it's all virtual.
2: We've yeah. always been virtual. So from okay. that perspective, we were well prepared for our current environment So yeah, you're, this is our office, you know, we sit side by side, we have freedom to move around the house a little bit. But yeah, we've done zoom meetings since the day zoom came out. And before that it was go to meeting, you know, like we've just always video chatting is very much a part of our rhythm, our meetings with our teams are almost always remote. We do own with a partner of ours, a brewery down the road. So sometimes we'll go there and have meetings too, which is kind of a fun place to meet. Over um, beer, of course. Over beer, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and yeah, I like the work from home thing has just been a part of our professional lives for the last decade. So it feels very natural for us.
0: Okay, very good. Well, let's jump back to the beginning. I wanna hear a little bit about how you guys met and. How long, you said you've been married 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you guys meet?
1: Two years before those 23, we met in college. Shannon was a freshman and I was a junior in college. And we went to a small school up in the middle of Ohio, north of Columbus. And it was actually move-in day Mm -hmm. for her freshman year that I met her and a friend had invited her to go bridge jumping, which was something that we did because you know in a small town in ohio that's what you do yeah uh, Yeah. i see a
0: pattern here bridge jumping whitewater rafting
1: (laughs) folks but so so we we had an opportunity to meet that day and that was just a really cool experience and i i of course i was struck by how pretty she was and i wanted to spend time around her so that was That was a pretty cool but that's how we met was jumping off bridges and we've been jumping (laughs) off bridges ever
0: since. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yep. And so how did that lead to marriage?
2: We hit it off right away. I don't know that either of us were looking to get married that young, but we just felt like we're going to be together forever. So why wait? And we got engaged the spring after we met, and then we got married a little over a year after that, so in 97. And it's funny, we don't always share this story on podcasts, but we actually think we first saw each other even two years prior to that first, like, bridge jumping introduction because mm-hmm. Brian was a he worked for a lawn mowing company and I was a waitress at the little town like an hour from our college and he said I went in there and took a you know have a lunch break from trimming, you know uh cemeteries actually <laughs> so we're- oh, goodness and he's like there was a girl in there she was so cute I was like I was the only young person that worked there yeah. so it had to be me so I think from you know early on we realized we were always meant to be we're together
1: intersected paths earlier than what we ever thought yeah. and then there was another time where um she was set up on a blind date with a good friend of mine and I went with him to meet her and I thought wow she's cute you know but of course <laughs> step in or I was anything first friend. <laughs> but then of course we met again in college yeah. and we kind of connected the dots that we had intersected paths a few times before that
0: oh that's funny I can remember in college there was uh this idea that there was one right person for you and I used to kind of panic over that like what if what if they were on the bus and I missed the bus that day so <laughs> I, I guess your story is a reminder that if you know if your paths are intended to cross it will happen
1: yeah I think so
0: Yeah. So so you got married in college? We did. You were still in college, Shannon? Yeah. What happened
1: was about three or four months after I met Shannon in the fall of 95, my dad developed lung cancer. Yeah. And so kind of through a series of events, I decided the best thing to do was to basically leave school full-time, work full-time, and then go to school full-time at night. And then Shannon remained as a traditional student, and she worked a part-time job during that time as well. But kind of in that season, mm-hmm. I already felt like a grown-up. I was already yeah. responsible for who I was, and so
2: paying for school, you know, it just
1: then, seemed yeah. like okay. Let's let's go to the next level. Let's get married. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, it was way more romantic than that. How I got down <laughs> on one but, uh, but it just um, it was one of those things where I was ready to kind of grow up and do grow-up things and. Mm -hmm. Um, get married.
0: Yeah. That's a refreshing reminder because I meet so many young couples that they're trying to get all their ducks in a row. They want to finish college, have a first job for 10 years, have their house paid off. I mean, I'm being a little extreme, Mm -hmm. but it's like they want all of these things done before they marry. And your marriage is an example that you learn a lot about each other going through these difficult times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was listening to one of your interviews yesterday and heard you talking about both of your, well, your dad, Brian, and your yeah. stepdad, Shannon, both developed lung cancer and died within a year of each other. Yeah, timing?
1: It crazy. yeah, it was a crazy time.
0: Man, I mean, that is... College. Or we We had just graduated from college. Just yeah. after college. So young. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, looking back on that, the it, it forced me especially just to kind of grow up and fo- and just realize that you know no one's going to hand you anything. You got to work really hard for things, and you know, and it was a it was a really it was terrible seeing our father struggle and our families as a whole struggle through yeah. that uh-huh. experience. But it was something that you know I look back on it, and as as horrific as that was for our family, I'm actually I'm 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 thankful it kind of molded me. Into the person and the man that I am today.
2: Hmm. We say oftentimes that we raised each other. I mean, really, because we were still babies like you guys were, you know, (laughs) we got married. And I think that, you know, our path is our path. And I, You know, I don't know that I would recommend it for anybody else. (laughs) Like, would I want our kids getting married at 19 and 20? (laughs) Probably not. I don't know if it's any harder or any easier. You know, like, I don't know if you enter into a relationship 10 years after that and get married, if if that means it's going to be an easier path. I think every marriage, regardless of when you start it, is going to have struggles that you have to work through together. And hopefully you can you know, grow and learn from those experiences in the same way and, you know, not have those divide you, but it's not guaranteed, you know?
1: Yeah. You're taking two people that are very single-minded in their own lives. It's always up until that point of marriage has been more or less about them. And then you're basically saying, I'm, I'm dying to myself and I'm, I'm really, it's more about you than it is me. And that, that's, that's a clash that, that takes a while to kind of get through that. So whether that you're 30 or 20. It's going to happen. You have yes. to sort that through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I would agree. <laughs> How long had you guys been married then when you decided to take this launch? And tell us a little bit about your decision and the timing of your first business.
1: Yeah, we it was 2010 in the spring of 2010. Our kids at the time were two and five, and they were. I was traveling like crazy. I was on six to eight flights a week. It was just too much. I wasn't home nearly as much as I should, and it was a great job, but it it just was it just demanded that I was away. And then at the same time, Shannon had a really great job and a great career. I kind of we kind of got this place in the spring of 2010 where we hit a tipping point of like something's got to change yeah. here, career wise.
2: Yeah, our kids were two and five at the time. And I had been with my company for a decade and I I loved it for a long time. I learned a lot. I had three different roles in the organization that were all very different. And it was a great professional experience for me. But for the first time at that job, there was no clear next step. Like that had never happened before in a decade. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling like, okay, it's time to make a change, but there was no next step within that organization. And it you know it was healthcare software and so i could have made a leap to another company that was you know same company or different company same problems kind of thing and i just at the end of the day felt like that was not the change that god was calling me to so we both at the same time and for different reasons came to a place where we were needing to wind up where we were. And in the back of our minds, we had always known we wanted to have a business together and even had some failed attempts earlier on in our marriage to do that. Um, But we were like, you know what, if if we're ever going to do it and give ourselves some runway to fail, it's now while we're in our early to mid thirties. And so that was sort of like the mindset that allowed us to feel confident to take the leave later that year.
1: I took We took a vacation together and I was exhausted because I'd been traveling so much, but I took a book. It's a story of Sam Walton. It's called Made in America. Okay. And it's basically how he started Walmart. And I realized in reading that book that he was 38 years old when he started Walmart. And at the time I was 35 and I thought, well, heck, if he can start Walmart at 38, you know, mm-hmm. and I've, I've come to realize now it doesn't matter how old you are, you can start a business that's successful, but Back then, that gave me just enough of a nudge to say, "You can do this," mm-hmm. you know. You and so we we did. We cashed out our four hundred one k's. Not advice we tell people to do.
2: <laughs> Once again, <laughs> sorry, not necessarily. <laughs> it was
1: one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we used that as our startup capital to fund our business. And mm-hmm. we started that in December of two thousand ten. After doing a lot of due diligence over about six months, saying, "Okay, let's get our ducks in a row. Let's talk to really smart advisors and business people." Let's really make sure this is a wise move and a calculated decision. And then um, we gave our notice October 1st of 2010.
0: Okay. So you're vetting, if you will, talking to other business people, I'm assuming, or were these family members or what type of
1: family and friends thought we were nuts. (laughs) <laughs> they were like, By the way, we leave nice job with babies and do this in the height of the great uh, recession. And,
0: right, 2010.
1: Yeah, okay. so uh, we they we didn't have a good answer for them, but when we told our ideas to people who were successful in business and that had you know proven track records in business, they all thought it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Especially one one person in particular basically said, "You need to quit your job and go do this." And and a lot of that too, we have come to realize, and it's just one of those things that you know people who are business owners, the lens in which they operate is different than a person that receives a paycheck. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: There's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just the lens in which I... the worldview they have is entirely different. So we leaned into that and that, that season and it was really helpful for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. There's something, a little something to the wiring I think of a person. Uh, we'll get into that hopefully in a little bit. So this first business You said that you had tried a couple of businesses prior to this.
1: We did. We tried one and it uh, it failed. (laughs) It was way back. Let's see. It would have been in 2002. We tried to start a mortgage company and uh, it just did not work for a myriad of reasons. We had the wrong leader in place. We put it in the wrong location. There was just... It we just was, yeah, it just was a, yeah, um, a, a bloodbath in, in that sense. So we lost about $40,000 and we continued to, you know, work for other people.
2: Fortunately, we didn't quit our jobs to start that one. Right. So we could bounce back pretty quickly, but yeah, that we definitely, and it's funny, Brian's mom even told him a few years ago, you know, when he was a kid, he wanted, he didn't want to work for anybody else. He He wanted to have his own business. And I think that speaks to the wiring. I don't know that that would have been the case for me had I not, you know met Brian and, and our lives become one. He was much more willing to take the risk and and had this the fortitude for it. and we had been married long enough and you know, had different professional careers. and I could see his strengths that you know, would be contributing to the business that I felt comfortable. But yeah, just wiring, he's definitely more entrepreneurial minded, for sure.
0: Okay. I am really interested to hear about the fact that you're both in the business, you helped start it, you were completely invested in it. I think you're the first couple that I've interviewed so far that are Mm co-founders, all of my other ones, one person is the entrepreneur, and the other supports them. But they're not in or part of the business. So I would love to hear early on how did you guys sort out your roles and what each of you were going to be responsible for?
2: We hear that a lot. Like, I could never work with my spouse. There's no way. Like, I'm glad they're doing it, but not for me. You know, it's just we wanted to be 100% in this thing together. So, we had to figure out pretty early on what our lanes were. And fortunately, God's wired us different, but different personalities, giftings, leadership styles that are complementary to each other. And so Mm -hmm. I think we've probably gone through about three different iterations of our roles within Belay uh, as the business grew and evolved as its own entity. But yeah, early on, Defining those roles was really key. We're
1: incredibly different people, you know, and that's you know, whereas it used to be annoying in the beginning, it's actually celebrated now. But we are we're two, we're two different people, and that's great. And it also comes that way in terms of leadership or skill set. So the default to her is really natural for me now. Like, in, especially in areas of operation or legal things, you know, like she's just got a mind and she's wired for that, and and I'm not. I'm more. Uh, sales, marketing, vision out ahead, you know, 18 months out looking at what's next, that type of thing. And she does a good job to default to be there. So I think we just know each other's lanes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and rather than try and have that be something that's competitive. We just default to it naturally and say, Hey, this is your gifting, whatever you say, that's what we'll do. Yeah. And you know, it, it didn't, it's not like you just day one, figure that out. It took us a while to realize our strengths and Because she had a really great career and I had a really great career before we started this thing. So, Mm -hmm. the way I approached it in the early days was I knew because she would share with me a complexity around what she did before we started our company. So, I thought, wow, that's the type of person I'm going to get the opportunity to work with on a day to day basis.
0: If I don't hire her, I'm going to have to hire someone else.
1: (laughs) For sure. Yeah. But I mean, Mm -hmm. knowing the experience she brought to the table, I'm like, this is. I'm fortunate to work with a person like that. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I carry my own set of skill sets to the business. So Excellent. I think, yeah. you know, just, just appreciating and acknowledging that, you know, your, your spouse in this case, your, as your partner in business is probably well more equipped to answer a question or to do that particular aspect of the business than you are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It frees you up to stay focused on the things you're
0: best at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So early on, there were probably challenges. There always are in a startup. How long was it before you knew that this business was viable?
1: Well, we didn't have any challenges at all. I mean, we were...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your nose is growing, Brian. Yeah, I mean, uh, and everybody's like, "And I'm not
2: going to listen to this. Song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we
0: had the day one. no.
1: Um- <laughs> I think that the reason why they refer to early startup or as early struggle is because that's what it is. It's meant to be early struggle. Every business has a season of early struggle and it's fraught with, you know, changes and okay, we were going this direction and we're going this direction. The market doesn't want this product. The market wants this product. The pricing's off. You have to, there's this myriad of things you have to kind of iron out. And if you, you lose your business, if you don't pay attention and shift. And so with that just came a season of kind of turmoil. Yeah. You know, I I remember being in 2012, so, you know, a year and a half in, having what I thought was a heart attack. Oh, God. And I was stressed out and working crazy out. Yeah. And there was a, our kids got sick during that time and our health insurance was a hot mess because we were starting our company and we were funding all that. And I just, uh, ultimately, I didn't have a heart attack. I just was thoroughly stressed. Mm -hmm. But I, I had to get to a place for me personally, where I had to say, okay, I'm going to have to start really yielding up and delegating things that I've been holding on to. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely a pivotal moment for me as a leader in our business.
2: I think when we knew we really had something is when the the business started making money. Like we had invested our 401ks to fund it and we could see that balance depleting over time. And so it wasn't until we like, started to turn a profit. We're like, okay, we might actually have something here, you know, because like a lot of entrepreneurs in the beginning, you try a lot of things because you have ideas of what will work. But until you go to market with something, you don't know for sure if anybody's going to buy your idea yeah. or if they, you know, or if you have to modify it. So we tried several things early on that just didn't work. They were not viable, but it didn't mean that the business wasn't viable. It meant those offerings weren't viable. So we just doubled down on what was working and really started to get some good momentum around 14 months in.
0: About 14 months. Okay. I hear from several entrepreneur couples that are in that early stage and they're worried that either the business or their marriage isn't going to make it. And again, these are couples where they're not both in it as you guys are and were. What are some things that you did in your marriage to buoy it up, to strengthen it, to keep communication open and not take out this frustration on each other? Mm.
2: We, something that I don't remember if you came up with this or you read it somewhere, but we've implemented it in our business and our life and it's been really helpful. And it's the concept of, sitting on the same side of the table when you're addressing an issue or a problem. So as opposed to like you said, taking your frustration out on one another, you might be facing a couple or a problem as a couple or in the business that you need to literally like have an illustration and take it and put it on one side of the table. And then the two of us sit on the other side of the table and say, how are we going to tackle this together? And that redirects the negative energy from coming out against each other to let's channel that to solve the problem. And you're not the problem and I'm not the problem. That's the problem over there on the other side of the table. Yeah. We
1: never started a business without being like the eventual outcome. Our eventual outcome is to have a great marriage. Mm -hmm. And so the business just helps support that and our family too. You know, that we're what we're aiming at is far past successful business or companies. It's, You know we're happy and we're together and we're healthy in our 70s and 80s and our kids are grown adults and they like each other and they're contributing to this world in a good way. And and we all have a good family relationship and we have the financial means to be able to do things like that. A business is a vehicle for that to happen. But we've just chosen that the things that we're aiming at are way past what a company or a business can be.
0: Yeah. I have sought out couples like you guys because that is the drum that I beat all the time. I am very convinced that you can have a successful business and marriage. and yet we hear so often or we see modeled or we hear stories of say Steve Jobs. yeah, incredibly brilliant creator, entrepreneur. I love all of my Apple products, but at what cost? Right. And I think we believe sometimes, too often, that that you have to sacrifice your family if you want to have a successful business. So that is part of why I chased you guys down and found you. And I want that story to be part of other couples successful family.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
2: that, uh,
1: yeah, definitely. I think that it's just easy to accidentally prioritize something that feels so big, like a business mm-hmm. and make that a priority and make that the universe. When the reality is that ultimately the things that you're striving for in life are more relational And healthy in that sense, and a business is just simply a vehicle to pull that off. And I and I think that when you right size that or you reprioritize that as a as a couple, and you both get in alignment over that, I think that you're you'll iron out and you'll make better decisions for your business that becomes more of a lasting solution for your family.
2: I mean, we had to decide early on, like what the worst case scenario would be. that was really helpful for me to get over the hurdle of deciding to start this together because I thought, okay, let's see. What if we invest all this money and it fails and we lose all of our retirement? Okay. Can we rebuild as long as our marriage is intact and our kids are healthy? Like I've lived in a trailer before I could live in a trailer again. It's not that, you know, like the worst case scenario isn't, isn't, you know, financial. It would be like, would we be okay? And I, and we got to the point where we're like, no, we can work through this. You know, we, we can weather a failed business and still keep our marriage intact. If that's the worst thing that happens, we're going to
0: be okay. Yeah. And that is a helpful exercise, isn't it? To, sure. to process what is the worst case scenario. You don't want to live there, but if you look at it and, go through that exercise. Like you said, Shannon, I've lived in a trailer. I can do it again. It's not the end of the world, but I would live in a tent with you yeah. versus live in a mansion without you. Right. Exactly. And not everyone is that intentional. So. Well, you
1: know, I, I'll be honest. I We meet a lot of business owners that they will start a business with no end in mind. Like they'll say, You know, I don't know what I would do with my business. I don't know if I'd sell it. I don't know if I would give it to my kids. I don't, you know, and we -hmm. just don't operate like that. Shannon, and I've always approached business to say, we start a company and here's the outcome we're aiming at. Mm -hmm. And we all, and every, and we, we now own several businesses and every one of those has got an outcome connected to it that we're aiming at all for the purpose of benefiting the family and for Mm -hmm. a couple. Mm -hmm. And they, they support what we're doing as a, as a relationship, not just because we want to have a bunch of companies. Like there's, there's a, there's intent behind the ownership. And I, I would challenge any business owner, especially a business couple that's in business ownership that they need to decide what they want to do with their businesses because they're going to more than likely outlast that business itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let us into the mind of Brian and Shannon, and what does it look like when you're processing your next business? You guys started about a year ago, is that right? Your uh, brewing company. Yeah. It opened, yeah, a year ago. We started Open. about a year prior to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then you've launched. Own not run.
1: That's right. Yeah, and that's a content company to help business owners enjoy the freedom of owning their companies versus becoming a slave to it. And then we we are we're we invest in some real estate. We have a holding company called Miles AG where we, you know, we invest in other entities and Shannon and I sit on a handful of boards for companies and so forth. But yeah, we're, we're fairly active people business wise.
0: Oh, the mind of an entrepreneur never rests. I know that for a fact. So what, what are the conversations like or what are the questions that you ask when you're pursuing something like the brewing company or oh, not run? The, the impetus
2: for the new companies that we either create ourselves or get involved in is they're usually primed to solve a problem. Like Belay is a virtual services company that solves problems for growing organizations but it is vastly different than Nofo Bruco, which serves yeah. beer in our community. But it solves a problem. too. Though. It solves a problem, and yeah. definitely post-pandemic, people are thirsty. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're still in it. I'm mentally, I'm over it. But anyway, that's wow. a sidebar. Uh, <laughs> but we would constantly go out to restaurants in our community and think, man, why isn't there a cool place to hang out? Like somebody should really create a place where you could go on a date and get dressed up and like do something cool. Somebody should do that. Right. (laughs) So nobody did it and we're like, okay, we're ready for our next thing. You know, we had been able to replace ourselves in a lot of different capacities at Belay giving us a little bit more mental freedom to dream again. And for the brewery, we found a partner that was very passionate about craft beer and really spearheaded the effort so that we could own, not run that business. And it was meeting a need in our community to oh. provide something that we are, our family would enjoy. And so many other families um, have come to enjoy it too. Like we were just there today doing some some work and a guy came in and he's like the norm of the bar, right? So we met him the first time. I shouldn't say the bar. Um, oh. <laughs> like, hey, thanks. This is my neighborhood hangout spot. And we're like, that's exactly why we did it.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: You know, not all risk is qualified. You know, I think that, you know, encouraging people to really do the hard math, do the complex thinking on if this is a risk, that's really worth it. And looking around the corners, oftentimes, you know, business owners, they want to play a game of checkers, not chess. Meaning, you know, it's not, the decisions you make are not face value decisions. There's so much that's wrapped around and complexity around it. And just looking past point A to point D or point F is very important, I think, when you're looking at risk. And so when we that's what we're doing through our holding company, is we just we qualify. These are things that would really make sense and kind of meet the criteria for how we would invest.
0: Okay. That's good to hear. When we talked about defining your roles early on, I my mind went to assessments, personality assessments and profiles. You guys recently did a couple of posts about the Enneagram, and so I'd like to camp there for a few minutes. When did you start doing the Enneagram, and were there other assessments that you did prior to that? Yeah,
2: I was a double business and psych major in college, so I have Ah. always loved personality tests. And I think the prevailing one back in the day was Myers-Briggs. So that was probably the first one we did as a couple. Got a lot of value out of that. I think then the next wave of personality tests that we applied to our ourselves and our businesses was DISC. That was a helpful tool as well. And then you know most recently the you know prevailing winds are behind the Enneagram. I think I first came across it three years ago or so when a friend of mine uh, recommended it. She was actually my college roommate and co-psych major, Uh (laughs) she had come across it through Richard Bohr's work. And Mm -hmm. I just thought it was the most accurate depiction of personality that I had come across. It's funny, I've typed as different things though, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, in part because I think we... I don't know. I answer questions as I th- as I think they should be sometimes. <laughs> Instead of really looking back and, and getting yeah. to like natural tendencies i can adapt pretty quickly and so i think i i skewed results sometimes because i'm in this like a high achiever mode and i'm like i'm a three for sure i'm a three and then i take it and i was like wait my motivation isn't always to win so i don't know it's gone through definitely some some changes there but it's been a really helpful tool for brian and i both
0: Mm -hmm. what what do you identify with currently shannon
2: seven the enthusiast
0: seven okay Yeah, And I think mostly because my,
2: my motivator is to be happy. And that looks, that can change over time what it takes to be happy. And Mm -hmm. I definitely find myself leaning more toward that number than any other
0: one. Gotcha. And you, Brian? I'm an eight. I thought so.
1: Yeah. (laughs) D
0: on the disc. Pardon me on the disc
1: Hi e. d hi i yeah um and uh i'm myers briggs i'm an intj
2: okay okay and i'm opposite enfp yeah and a high <laughs> s on the disc like yeah. we're always just <laughs> yeah we're
1: two very you know opposite people which is great you know yeah yeah. Life in my house would be very boring if we were both the same.
2: Or you we would challenge each other all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will say these, you know, awareness of personalities and like that being aware that we are very different personalities early in our marriage was a source of frustration. Why can't he just see things the way I see them? Why don't we approach situations the same way? Why is our communication style so different, but through, you know, a lot of years together and really working hard and different counseling sessions and things like that, mm-hmm. we stopped trying to make each other the other person. Right. Yep. And that mm-hmm. made all the difference. It sounds so obvious and so, you know, elemental right now, but that was transitional for us. And some of our biggest frustrations were around when the, we were trying to behave in a way that was incongruent with our personality just to, to make the other person happy. So when we let that go and give each other freedom to be who we are, that alleviated a lot of tension in our
0: marriage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see that a lot in marriage that we think if someone loves me, they're going to be just like me, or they're somehow going to read my mind and just know what I need. And that's where I see the benefit of an assessment tool, and as you said, you've used at least three. We've done the same thing. I'm trying to think if there's others. We've probably done what was the Strengths Finder. Sure, uh, was another piece.
2: Yeah,
0: and I find that more helpful with like a team. I can't even remember my top five, so I I can't remember someone else's. But we also we dug pretty deep into the disk. Cause I, I got certified in that several years ago to work. We used it as part of our hiring process in our business, but then we discovered the Enneagram and what I like so much about the Enneagram is looking at your shadow side, the part that we don't always want to see or are even aware of and it's so important in leadership to know these parts of yourself that are not so shiny and bright it's where we become more whole and more wholehearted as Brené would Brown would say mm-hmm. curious about so you discovered the enneagram 3 years ago if you had that tool when you started the business do you think there's some benefit you would have gained from knowing all of those, like what you do under stress, which is different for each of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I, you know, when we first started the business, we used disc and there's a corollary, I think, in disc that you could speak to way, way mm-hmm. better than I could, but the whole concept of your natural and adaptive and, mm-hmm. you know, how you, if you have to live in your adaptive number for too long in your role, then you're, You're going to burn out and it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so for the Enneagram, I think the correlation is yeah, how you show up under stress, like a seven goes to a one and and become the house is finally clean and for, you know, (laughs) because I'm stressed out. And that's like the one thing I can control. So I, I think that. Regardless of the tool that an organization uses, I think it is imperative that organizations use personality tests with their leadership team at a minimum, and ideally as part of their hiring and and placing process. I think that you can head off a lot of bad matches or bad placements at the past if you are more aware of your team members' personalities. One thing that we've started using recently too at Belay is work by Kathleen Edelman. It's the temperaments and there's a book that goes along with it. That's i said this, you heard that. Ah. Um, And it gets into, it's a, it has a little bit of a disc feel in terms of four different quadrants and colors Mm -hmm. and all that, but it's, it's almost like a blend for lack of a better word of disc and Enneagram. So that's been a really interesting tool to use with our, our ballet team as well. Cause it, it's a little bit more descriptive, I think, in a lot of different areas.
0: That sounds like a great tool. I'll add that into the show notes. Have you found people in the hiring process or people in your leadership team maybe that are like, I I don't believe in this personality stuff. It's woo-woo and I don't want to be put in a box. How do you address that?
1: Yeah. I mean, they don't get to work here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how we address that. Uh, yeah. Bye yeah. um, It's an important filtering tool. I don't think it's the, the end all be all, but if you want to work here, you have to kind of put up with our systems and processes for how we've established it for hiring. I would say that there is one caveat to all of them is that the, the person that says, well, you know, I'm a high D, so deal with it, or I'm a high I, and that's just the way I am. No, that means that you get the opportunity to grow just like everybody else. So you can't hide behind your number or your label. You have to be human. And so we, you know, I think we do a good job to say like, hey, this is an important part of our hiring process and you're not to use it as an excuse. But it's been very helpful for our Mm -hmm. business and we've learned insights in our teams and we've learned how to respect each other more, you know, through using tools like DISC or Enneagram. Mm -hmm.
0: And if you've done several, you do begin to see there's an overlap, which to me is a validity measure when you see it over and over. Awesome. Okay. I want to shift towards the end of our interview here and ask about mentors. Have you guys had a business mentor or a group that you've been part of like EO or something?
1: We've, we've hung around people in EO. We've never participated in EO, but we we do. We have business mentors that have guided us over time. Typically they are a season or two ahead of us. You know, they've they, I have a lot of gray hair, but they have more.
0: <laughs> they have no hair.
1: <laughs> yeah, or no hair. But yeah, we've we've been very fortunate to get in the damage path of other successful business owners and ask them meaningful questions. And they've cared about us and invested time in us and kind of coached and guided us throughout the way. And I mean, we're and we've also then done the same thing. We paid it forward with, you know, businessmen and business women who have similar backgrounds or, or, you know, faith philosophies and all that. And we walk alongside them where it seems appropriate too. So we, we definitely want to pay it forward in essence.
2: Yeah. Early, probably a couple of years in the business, I joined C12 and then it converted to a different type of group called called for, and in, that definitely served a purpose during that season for sure. But as of late, our key business advisors come from our family office. We run a lot of opportunities by them and they help us think through the long-term impact of starting new organizations or investing in ones that other people have started or you know, big decisions around the organization. So that's probably the group currently that we lean into the most heavy right now.
0: Okay. And do those advisors, mentors, do you talk to them about your marriage also or do you have separate advisors that are relationship oriented?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I like to say that not all mentors are created equally. You know, like we when we approach a mentor it's because they're we're looking for a specific piece of advice, you know, like I'm, not, I'm we're not going to go ask you know, a, a mentor that's been married three times, how to have a successful <laughs> marriage. They're, they're not the right person to ask that question to. We're going to go to the you know, but they will have a lot of great things to say about a successful business. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so they're just not all equal in that sense. So, you know, we're mm-hmm. typically going to go ask the ones that we think are qualified in those areas or arenas.
0: Gotcha. You guys have been wonderful guests. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up today?
1: I would just say it's incredibly rewarding to walk alongside a a person that you love and then create a business or businesses together. Like I had no idea; I only guessed what it could be before. And now, ten years of doing this together, I'm so grateful for this experience. And I think that if you're aiming at a great marriage and that's your that's your focus and where you're headed, then all the other stuff will line up because you're you got your priorities straight and where you're headed. And and um, it's incredibly rewarding to see a business kind of fueled as a vehicle of that, but having a lasting marriage, I think is far more important. And I'm incredibly grateful to be in a position where God's been really kind to us, but also we've done the hard work as a couple Mm -hmm. in order to achieve the things that have been put out there for us.
2: That's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing only as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and yes, you can seek out mentors and yes, you can be part of EO and have organizations that that support you in different ways. But the work that you're doing to really talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and marriage is so important. And I yeah. think more and more couples are gonna start companies. And so the, the research that you're doing now and the resources that you're pulling together to support them um, is going to have a lasting impact so thanks for letting us be a part yeah, of it thank you
0: wow i'm i'm deeply honored and grateful thank you guys so much thank you bye-bye Bye. thanks for listening friend if you enjoyed this episode it would be a great honor if you would share it with a friend giving us a rating and comment on Apple podcasts really helps with the discovery. And that's the name of the game, getting resources to as many couples as possible. Where else do you get so much value for just the investment of your time? Hmm. Nothing's coming to mind. So go ahead and subscribe. It's free. And for those that are hard of hearing or prefer reading, You will always find a full transcript at kathyrushing.com. You're building a life together. Make it a great one. See ya.